to episode 41 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, we're talking about building a handmade doll business with my guest, Christina Platt. Christina is owner of Bambaletta Dolls. She's a wife and mother to two little boys. Her company makes one-of-a-kind handcrafted dolls using all natural materials. With a team of 48 women and her husband, who makes the heads, they create over 80 dolls a week that find homes all over the world. Dedicated to working within her community and employing stay-at-home moms to work for her, she believes she's found the secret sauce to keeping the magic in her product, and that is love. Her dolls put a modern spin on a traditional doll, making them fun and colorful and childlike. She's been making dolls for over 12 years and still is an integral part of how they are brought to life. She lives in Vancouver Island on the west coast of British Columbia in Canada. Christina Platt, welcome. Hi, Abby. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, happy to be here. Um, So the kind of doll that you make is Mm -hmm. commonly described as a Waldorf-style doll. So what does that mean exactly? Well, basically, there's two tenets, and this is what drew me to actually start making the dolls. And the first being that the doll is made with all natural materials. And the reason that is, is that a child, it's thought that a child is so sensitive, you know, because they're so kind of new in the world, that natural materials just kind of flow with their energy and, in, you know, in that way, that respect. The other is that the dolls have neutral facial expressions. So, um, you know, children, how um, they play is usually through mimicking or, you know, their imagination kind of goes wild. So if you have a doll that can be happy or sad or somewhere in between, that's much more engaging to a child. It can be what they need rather than, you know, some commercial dolls that always have that very happy kind of expression. It sets up a bit of a framework, um, you know, maybe on a subconscious level, but, um, that's, those are the two basic things about Waldorf dolls that, um, I try to keep through in my dolls. Okay. So yeah. Can anyone call a doll, a Waldorf doll, a Waldorf doll, or do you have to say, I feel like I've, I've been part of some of the Facebook groups of people who make sort of Waldorf dolls. And it seems as though you, you have to say Waldorf style. Is there something, do you know anything about that? Like why, well, why that might I, be? Well, I think that there was, I think, and I'm, I'm not too sure. I, I tried to not really even mention Waldorf. Okay. Um, I used to, but because when I actually, when I first started doing dolls, this was way, way back. I mean, this is pre Etsy and and what it's turned into now. Um, The Waldorf community, at least locally, wasn't very receptive to my dolls because they were too colorful, too kind of happy, sort of. I know that sounds weird, but like my dolls are neutral, but they're very pleasant um, in their face. Um, even that they have faces. A lot of Waldorf dolls don't have faces. So it was interesting because here I was trying to appeal to to this market because I was a mom that I thought, oh, you know, I knew that I wanted something that was a bit more contemporary, but um, it, they, it just didn't go over very well. So I kind of, myself, I drew back from the Waldorf doll and went Waldorf kind of uh, description and took elements that I really loved and created my um, a natural doll. Um, I think that to actually, there's only like one company that can call their dolls Waldorf. I, I've heard that. I'm not entirely sure. But I just, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that just people who make natural dolls. But now, I mean, you see such amazing hybrid, like these things that are happening with like soft sculpture kind of Waldorfy dolls with like lips and eyes and so I don't know how that really plays into the basic philosophy of what that doll is supposed to be. Yeah, it's been interesting to see um, the melding, as you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Waldorf elements are sort of creeping into, or what we think of as Waldorf-style elements are creeping into other forms of doll making. And even not just dolls, but sort of dragons and other imaginative creatures. But you can sort of identify the, the sort of Waldorf-style elements in them. So I think that's been, um, it's been kind of neat to watch 
Um, yeah, it is neat. It yeah. really is. Yeah. yeah. So, so you made your first doll, um, you know, a bunch of years ago, like maybe 12 or more years ago, and mm-hmm. it was for your niece. I don't think you were a mom at that time. No, um, no. And, you know, you couldn't find... Uh, quite the right Waldorf style doll that you were looking for that was contemporary and fun. And so you got a German doll making book and Mm -hmm. uh, an old t-shirt, some yarn and clippings from an Ikea sheepskin rug and just got started. (laughs) So what did that first doll that you made for her look like? And then how did your design kind of evolve after that? Well, it was really interesting because it, it has elements in it. It has parts of it that are very similar to my dolls now. Um, I went to the yarn store and I actually, Abby, I don't know how to knit. I don't <laughs> but either. Oh, you don't either. Okay, but I'm completely obsessed with yarn. Like, I love yarn. So I was like, yes, this is a, you know, I can buy some cool yarns. Like, this is an opportunity. Right. Um, yeah, so it's got that. Like, my love of yarn has been, you know, that's why I won't do any other type of hair. Like I just, I love it so much. Um, and yeah, so I just made this doll and it was amazing to make. Like I couldn't breathe while I was making it. I couldn't believe that out of these materials, this little being was coming to life. Like I worked on it all night and I was just so ecstatic when I made it. And, and that's how it started. And that is still, a thread that's carried that feeling is still a, it's still carried into this day. Cause although I don't like, I don't sew the hair on anymore or do the bodies, I put on most of the faces. So there's a point where I'm, you know, for three days I sit in a chair and I sew all the faces and I, um, you know, there's still that point where I'm, you know, I make the doll and it's that, that sec that like, Oh my gosh, there you are. Like, it's this feeling that I get. It's, it's really um, indescribable, but it's it's really cool to like bring these little things to li- these little beings to life. I mean, I'm sure you feel it too when you make your Absolutely. your stuff. Yeah, yeah it's I was just like ah! say, that's a feeling I can relate to, and it is really addictive. <laughs> and I do think you can get it from making other things, but there is oh, something yeah. very special about making like a creature or, or like a little miniature person, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's like, course. yeah, that, that it sort of gives it to you in a, in a different sort of way. So, um, okay. So you had that, that one, and then you must've kind of taken that pattern and right. And sat down and been like, well, you know, what if we made the face larger or what if we, oh. right. And edited it in some ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I, sometimes I look back on my Flickr account, it goes, you know, quite a few years back and just see the evolution of how, you know, I went from a very traditional pattern and, and have kept it. Like I, you know, I have several styles of dolls. I mean, two of my dolls, which is the classic and the little buddy play kind of homage to like the, the traditional Waldorf, um, shape. Um, but you know, over time and through customer feedback and, and just watching and seeing how kids play with things, I've definitely adapted the pattern and to make it more aesthetically pleasing to myself, you know, like the arms a little bit longer, or maybe I add a different kind of foot or, you know, it, it evolves that way and the face as well. And it's funny because sometimes, you know, I, I don't really ever, um, realize what I'm doing, but I'll, I'll see that I'll go through a phase where my eyes will be a bit bigger and then they'll be a bit smaller and then they'll be round. And like, it's, it's really neat. I've got customers that are so amazing and into our dolls that I've had comments before. They're like, I love 2011 fall faces. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <That's laughs> I'm like, amazing. that is incredible. I'm like, what was I doing? Then I'll look back and be like, huh? Okay. Like, all right. You know, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that, that, that's a sign of a, a certain kind of customer loyalty. <laughs> yeah, sure. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but because they're all handmade, you know, they do shift over time because you're human and you're looking at them every day and making them and making their eyes and you know, they are going to probably go through those phases. So yeah. And even if something like, okay, a couple of, um, maybe six weeks ago or so I had to wear glasses because my eyes were being a bit weird. And, um, and I, and I found a pair of glasses that I liked. So I, I started wearing glasses and my eyes were bigger because of the glasses. My, my perception, you know, like it's like my depth perception was off a bit or something, but I found that interesting. And one of the girls was like, hi, your eyes are bigger when you wear glasses. So it's just, it's human, right? It's the human touch. And that's the beauty of it. You know, like I, I love that, like, 
one eye will be a little bit bigger than the other or, you know, like that's, they're so unique. They've got the touch of hand on them and that's what makes them so beautiful. Yeah. And that's absolutely true. So what materials are you using now? I know, um, the, the fabric, like the skin of the dolls, Mm -hmm. it comes from, um, I read somewhere that it, it comes from the Netherlands. Is that a special, like, what is that fabric called? Um, it's like, it's called tricot. So it's just like a a jersey. It's a a specially milled. It's like a really thick t-shirt material. Um, and it's especially milled for doll making. So I get it in, in like, you know, a couple hundred meters or yards at a time. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just like a nice thick, it's got enough stretch, but not too much that it loses shape. You have to be really careful with the skin because, um, you know, if it stretches too much, you get kind of a weird looking shape and it, you know, it has to be able to hold and not pill so easily. Um, I've used like other stuff, you know, especially in my early days where I didn't know where to get stuff and it was hard to find, you know, I would just use other um, material and it would pill really easily or. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I use that for this in, which always sounds weird, but you know. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. And it comes in a variety of sort of flesh tone colors. Like yeah. So I, colors. Yeah. yeah, I use four different okay. tones. Yeah. Um, and then we use wool. So our wool comes from, um, a mill in Alberta, which is just the next province over. So it's all Western Canadian wool, which is really cool. Um, you know, using wool, it's interesting. We had a customer, this was when we used to take custom orders that her daughter was allergic to wool. So we had to use polyfill and not against polyfill, but I guess because if you use wool all the time and then you touch the kind of a, you know, that kind of material, it's like, Oh yeah. (laughs) And wool is so amazing. I mean, it's like, um, I mean, I use it because I love it, but it's got, it's naturally antibacterial and naturally anti-flammable. And the coolest thing is that it absorbs smell. So for kids, that's so important, you know, like for me, I know, remember your, I had a blanket and it wasn't that the blanket, it was the smell, you know, like, so the dolls end up smelling like home like, yeah. and it's so comforting for children, you know, that, that familiar kind of scent, um, is really beautiful. And, um, so we use that. And then for the hair, we use like various yarns and, um, alpaca and silk and mohair and all sorts of things. We get most of our yarns in from a mill in New York um, undyed and then we bring it over and we dye it all. We dye it here. So, um, yeah. And then I've got a couple of women that spin for me over here and there's, there's a lot of us that, that work on this, but yeah. Okay. And then for the clothes, the, for the clothes is just like, um, cotton cottons. Yeah. And I get them. I don't hardly buy anything bulk or wholesale. I, I am so, I get bored of fabrics really quickly and there, um, there's so many amazing fabrics out all the time that I buy, you know, just a a few meters usually at a time and, and work that way. Okay. So you're buying the fabric retail and just using it up and then just going shopping in the next month and buying something different so that all the clothes, you know, from month to month, they're going to really be different. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then the eyes themselves are embroidered. Yes. So it's all embroidered. Okay. So it's, yeah. It's baby safe and all that good stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, so you started making, um, making dolls and back in the, in the beginning when you made that one for your niece and started sort of had that magical moment and started making more of them for friends and friends of friends. And then, you know, um, I'm guessing around 2005 when Etsy started, you started selling them online through Etsy. Was that your first kind of e-commerce spot? No, actually before that there was, um, there was a couple places. It was, there was a Waldorf, um, Waldorf collective, like, God, I don't even, I forget what it was called, but there was a few of us, like, um, somebody did silks and somebody did, um, woolens and stuff like that. So I sold on there first, um, on, in an e-commerce situation, but, but I have also like pretty much since the get-go have been selling at farmer's markets and craft fairs and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then Etsy started. And of course, you know, that was, um, kind of the first like real, you know, where it was a steady type of situation. Yeah. And when you first started on Etsy, 
um, you know, searching Waldorf dolls. <laughs> yeah. Etsy brought up nine, you know, nine yeah. dolls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was me and like Barry from Moonchild Dolls. It was just us. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And we were, that was it. And, uh, it was like that for quite a while. And then it, and then it just kind of took off like crazy. So, yeah. So you're not on Etsy anymore. Um, no. when did you leave and sort of what motivated that decision? Um, what motivated it was actually, to be honest, was just the, the sheer, like, cause we were putting up, you know, at that point, I think it was 20 a week, which was fine. You know, it was okay as far as fees and stuff, what really, um, what motivated me was just to have a landing place for my customers so that they could read my blog. So I could, um, have Flickr, um, attached to it. That was at that point, you know, um, there wasn't much, those were the main kind of social right. media this was before, platforms, right? Before Instagram, this was what, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe 2010 yeah. or something. I mean, yeah, it's like nine, nine or 10. Okay. 10. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I had um, Ariana from Elite. She did my site, which was great. And then um, Robert Mayher, actually from Mayher Dry Goods, he was selling my dolls as well. Okay. So it was just a bunch of things happened at once. I just felt like um, Etsy was great, but I felt like I was um, entering in a, a kind of a scale that needed a little bit more for my customers. Um, and I mean, Etsy now is incredible, like the, what they've added on, but back then it was a little bit more like just, like just a a selling platform there. There wasn't as much, you know, for bios and all the stuff that there is now. Um, yeah, so I did that. And then my website, I've had quite a few websites since then, just because, you know, several years ago, it was uh, a, a bit of a different situation with, uh, buying my dolls that, I've had websites just crash repeatedly because of too much traffic when I would upload them. And so let's take a step back. Yeah. So let's talk about how, how you do your sales. So, um, so my understanding is that, is that you kind of work throughout the week and we'll talk about employees and, and kind of what the week looks like, but, um, but is it on Thursdays that you, you sort of upload all the new dolls of the week and, and some weeks there's, you know, 80 of them, for example. And then, um, and then they, you sort of put it up on Facebook and then they're gone, like immediately gone. And am I, am I describing that correctly? Well, it, yeah, it's not as, I mean, now they're about half gone just because we've upped our production. We've been, it's taken me years to do this, but I've upped my production to a point where we have, um, dolls, you know, for available. But when we do put them up, about half of them go really quickly, usually within the next, the first hour or so. Um, yeah, but we work all week, make them Thursday. We do all the listings and pictures and stuff. And then I put a preview put photos on my Facebook page so people can see what we've got available. And then Friday they go up at noon. I and see. Okay. All right. And you're- then Tuesday, today's shipping. <laughs> and then you ship on Tuesdays, right? Okay. So yeah. So yeah. you're using Shopify now, um, and I've heard yes. that that Shopify has like examined your shop as like a case study because <laughs> yeah, am I right? <laughs> yeah, we're kind of the uh, canary in the coal mine with Shopify. If anything, if there's a bug, we'll find it. Um, yeah, because we have a very unique situation um, where we have. They said essentially it's like turning a fire hose on to go through like a small little hole because there's. There's, there's just a, an influx of traffic at one time, all vying for like single item products. So it's a very big strain on a system. You know, if I had multiple products, it's no problem, but I've only got one of each. Um, so there could be, you know, several people going for the same one. So it, it, everything has to be pretty exact. But we, I love Shopify. They've been so great with, um, with like working with us and stuff and, all our, uh, all our issues that we have. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Um, I'm sure they love you guys too. So yeah, no, I don't know about that though. <laughs> They're like, Oh, it's you. Again. Like, yeah, it's me. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Do you know you're problem. getting a 404 when and they're like, no, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. So, right. So you would, um, you, so you were running into this problem where, you know, people, 
were sort of going crazy back before you were able to up production. People were sort of going crazy, kind of, you know, pouncing on the sale and then ending up frustrated and sort of, you know, in, within the Facebook um, page, people were giving advice to newbies, like how to get yeah. one and, um, re, you know, encouraging them, try again and all of that. And so, and there, there started to be a resale market for the dolls. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, was that on eBay? Yeah, some on eBay, but mainly through um, private sort of, uh, well, not private, but more um, a smaller, like, you know, like diaper resell, that type of, you know, like hyena cart, um, uh-huh. that reseller, you know, um, yeah, it started getting uh, pretty intense on there with yeah. the reselling. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So, so all of these signs point to, you know, Christina, you need to expand, right? Like you need yeah. to grow. Um, you, you've got this product. Clearly it's, it's a, a catchy thing that people really want and you could be selling more of them, but there needs to be more than one of you. Um, and so what were, what were some of the kind of conventional business advice that you were getting from people who, you know, had a little bit of a, more of an old, old school model of, of business and expansion? Um, well that I should definitely first, of course, up production, but I mean, it can take months for us to train one person. Um, so that wasn't really good advice, you know, in the sense that it, that we just, we try, we have up production, but it's like I said before, I mean, it's taken us quite a while to do it, to get it to here. Um, you know, and there was lots of like that people don't really care where it's made or how it's made and that I should just offshore. That was a big one. I had a lot of that, um, you know, that there's ethical ways of doing, um, of offshoring and which is, it just didn't, um, resonate with me. I just thought there is, but not for what I want to do. Like I really believe in investing in your community and really what I've done is I have, you know, this love for what I do. And I feel like with my women that work for me, I plant these little seeds in them that are, you know, kind of my ethics and values and mission and what I believe in. And, and then they get a love for what they're doing. And that really continues through and into the product. Um, you know, we've had that and just, yeah, it's mostly just around production and that I should increase my prices. That was a big, big one. Like people were like, well, you know, if you're selling this fast and, and this much, you, you should double your prices and, uh, that'll like even out the market. But that didn't feel good at all because I already struggle with pricing, um, so much. I mean, my prices are what they are because they take 12 hours and the materials are so amazing. You know, we use only the best stuff. Um, I, you know, I'm okay with our pricing, but to double them like that, just then it makes it a product to me that's unattainable, like, or it's so, yeah, it's, it just didn't feel right to do that either. So I just, right. So you ended up with, right. You ended up with these two, these two sort of pieces of advice, you know, have somebody else make them for cheaper and make more of them or double the price. So fewer of them will sell (laughs) so quickly and you'll still be able to grow. So, so neither of those felt, felt right. So you came up with, I think a pretty unusual, I mean, I, I don't know if I can't really name another business who's done it quite this way. So you came up with an unusual solution that has worked for you that you're clearly happy with and your business is thriving with. And I think it's just, it's something interesting to explore for people who have a handmade product and want to keep it a handmade product. So tell us what you did instead with the local, you know, women, mostly sort of stay at home moms who live near you and how you employed them and, and sort of what Bamboletta's production looks like now. Well, it it is interesting because when you get to a certain point in business and handmade business, it's like the path is laid out for you in a way, if you go the traditional route of manufacturing and all that stuff. And, and for me to thinking about sitting behind a computer and running my business, just, just, it would kill me, you know, like it would just, it wouldn't be a good thing for me and, and my product. Um, so what we did was we just, you know, I just would hire, you know, we hire a few women at a time. We really take our time with training them and making sure like that they're getting the support they need. Um, 
and we just kind of bumped it along that way. You know, every, you know, every couple months we would hire on a few more women and, um, and train and, 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 you know, kind of invite them into our world and, and, uh, making the dolls. And we just, yeah, it was just kind of, we, we just did what we did. I mean, there wasn't ever a plan. There's never been a business plan or ever a, you know, a method to any of this. It's just been this organic kind of way of growth. I mean, even the way that we hire people, it's usually friends of friends, or if we find, we know of someone, you know, a friend that, or a, a, a sewing person that her friend is really in need of a job and is in a kind of a not such a great situation we'll like bring them on and and try to help them out that way um yeah so it's not been anything I've really planned it's just happened and I've just kept to my guns and and doing them this way so you have this great video on your site where (laughs) you take it through you take us through the making of a single doll Mm -hmm. and what I I think I love about it most is you really see all the hands that go into it um, because the doll is handed off from person to person. So what are some of the, the roles that some of the women who work for you do and how much of it is stuff they do in your studio and how much of it is stuff they're doing at home and then bringing back? Okay. Well, we have, there's about eight of us that work in the studio. So we, um, will stuff all the dolls. We will, um, you know, uh, do all the fixing of the dolls. So what that means is when our women take the dolls, they bring them back. And then there's a few women here that for a couple of days, what they do is they go through every single doll and make sure all the stitches are right and everything's anchored down securely and stuff. Um, and then we have women that, uh, that ship the dolls and, um, that then I do the eyes and the faces and we have people that do the no you know, somebody does the noses of the dolls and makes the head covers. I mean, I could go on and on, but so that stuff isn't done in studio out of studio. Um, the women all receive a package. So each doll is like a little package and in the package is a stuffed body, a head <clears throat> that's covered and the hair. So they essentially put the head on the body and then sew the hair on. And then the doll comes back to us. We put the face on, do the hair, blush the cheeks, dress it. And then in out of studio, um, I have women that will, I have somebody that makes all the underpants for the dolls. That's, that's her job. She's the underpant maker. And then somebody makes all the shoes, some, and then I have a bunch of women that work doing, um, you know, all the dresses and the pants and the tights and the, you know, there's, there's quite a few components to it. And then my husband makes all the heads. So he stays home and he makes, he rolls all those heads. So when (laughs) you first started bringing people on, and I feel like you've been really transparent about that the whole time. In other words, it hasn't been something where you're like, pretending, you know, that you're right. making everything. I think it's been pretty clear from the beginning. Like I have help, you know, your doll is handmade, but it's handmade by a lot of different hands. Yeah. Um, and so when you first started doing that, was there any fear that people were going to sort of be like, well, you know, it's different now, or, you know, you, you sold out or I don't know, some sort of feeling like the magic might disappear when you started getting some help. That's such a great question. Um, but I actually have never felt that because I'm so involved in it. Like I'm actually too involved with every single freaking aspect of this. Like from, yeah, I mean, I still shop for all the fabrics. I still like go pick up the ribbon for the doll's hair. Like I do everything. Like I oversee, not I do everything, but I oversee everything that I feel like what I have are these like extensions of like my vision and like I said before, that little seed, I mean, that's, that's what I feel like. I, I, it's like I've, I'm, and maybe that's why it takes so long to train people because I'm training them to, to kind of see what I, I see. Um, you know, for instance, like doing the hair and these things, I mean, they take a long time, like just putting the hair together. And that's like where we choose, you know, maybe six or seven different types of yarns. And then we wind them together to make a head of hair. I had a girl, um, doing that for me, Brandy. And I swear it was like every other one that she tried to do. I was like, nope, nope, nope. And I made her like redo them again because it wasn't what I 
it didn't speak to my aesthetic. And uh, it was, you know, I do it very nicely, but it can be, I mean, I always feel kind of sorry for people that work that closely to me because I'm, I'm such a, like, it has to be like the way I want it. Um, and then that being said, you know, the girl that does all, I used to do all the, and, and I think because I've done everything, like I used to dye all the hair for the yarns and, and all that stuff, you know, the girl, the woman that dyes yarns for me now has far surpassed my skill. Like she is amazing. So at the same time, like I, I kind of give them what I want to see and it, and then I, but I also give them freedom to, to do what they, you know, what they think and what they want. And it seems to be a really nice merge because there's been a couple of times, even sorry, with the hair being put together where I've just been like, Nope, just let it go. It's beautiful to her. And then it's been our best seller. So it's really been an interesting kind of push pull with like what I really see and then letting other people in, um, for their vision, you know, for what they think is cute as well and, and working together. And it's worked out really well, like, cause it's so respectful and it's so, you know, we're always, we're such good friends and we're all like laughing and joking together. So it's, I don't know. It's just, it's been, it's worked. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, I mean, this sounds silly, but was like the hurdle of doing the paperwork to hire people, was that hard? Like just, you know, managing payroll. I mean, I, I think that for a lot of people who make things, um, going from zero employees or just you as an employee, one employee to, um, to having even just one other person there part-time helping the, the hurdle of having to fill out the paperwork to figure out how to do that is sort of overwhelming for people. Was that hard for you in the beginning? Um, it was like learning QuickBooks, you know, and to this day, I still do all my paperwork. Like I do all my payroll and everything because I really, I've never, um, I've never had an investment. I've never had, I've done this all on a visa card. So as you can imagine running a business like this, I need to know where I stand financially at all times. Um, and it wasn't really, but you know, what's interesting is I actually really like it. Like I really like, you know, that half a day that I sit and I do all my books, I reconcile all my bank statements. I think because it's a different, you know, part of your brain that you're using it, it, um, it, yeah, it, it, it's okay to do like, but it was hard definitely in the beginning to learn a different language, you know, basically like I didn't even, I didn't know what a profit and loss statement was, or I didn't, you know, I, so I, I really had to learn a lot. Um, but yeah, that's what we, that's how it goes now. And as far as hiring people, I don't know if you asked about that, but, um, it's all been, I've hired people, really based on what I like when I meet somebody, I'm like, you've got it. And I don't know what it is, but there's something about that person that is very attractive to me as far as their personality or just their heart or their energy or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I think you're the girl for me. And it's worked beautifully for all these years. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're a mom now, you have two sons, Mm -hmm. um, and your husband, as you said, stays home and helps with the business. Um, and is your studio far from your house? No, it's about 10 minutes from my house. So it's pretty close. A 10 minute drive. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, um, so how do you manage the, how old are your sons now? They are seven and 11. Okay. So about yeah. the age of my older kids. So, so <laughs> how do you manage, um, like childcare? I mean, what, what are your hours? I mean, this is a, this is a big job. This is a big business. Now you've got lots to go, lots and lots yeah. of things to handle. Um, so, you know, I think, I guess from my perspective, as a person who designs toys, people often think that I make them with my children, like they're, that my kids are right there with me or something like that. And really, I mean, although they we definitely do creative projects together. Um, but you know, this is a, this is my work, you know, like this is my job. And so in order yeah. for me to do my job, like I have to be at work, you know? Um, so it's, yeah. it, it, there isn't necessarily as much melding or blending as people might think or assume right away. And I don't know if that's the case for you. It is. I mean, my kids have grown up 
with like wool everywhere and <laughs> doll parts everywhere. My son, it was really sweet when he was about three. Um, he started, I caught him and he was taking a chopstick and kind of rubbing it around his legs. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, mama, I'm, I'm stuffed with wool. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Cause we use chopsticks to shove it down, you know, shove the, uh, the wool into their, the doll's legs. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're not stuffed with wool. <laughs> um, and like the heads everywhere and like just, <laughs> so, so there's, it is our life. Like, because John's in it too. Um, I'm always sewing. It's really, uh, the studio is really like, you know, I've got a setup that they hang out here too. And it's amazing. My studio next door to me, I have a, um, a carver who carves totem poles and then I've got a weaver. So they're kind of around all the time. Um, my children, but yeah, it's been, there's been challenges. Like, you know, I remember when I didn't have the studio and I was at home and I really feel for moms that do this kind of stuff at home. And I remember I was doing like an interview. I think it was like mothering magazine, something I was doing like a pretty, you know, a, a good interview, like in depth. And I had, I was wearing Jasper, my youngest on me. And then Ben was like on my leg and I was walking around in circles, like with dragging him behind me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like it was, it's just, it was such a, it was so stressful, but you know, the kids are in school. So I, that's great. And then my husband comes and picks them up and I'm, you know, I'm home around four, four thirty, And I definitely like put, try to put everything down until they go to sleep. And then generally like I'll do some computer work or whatever. Um, and then I have weekends with them and, you know, off and stuff. And, you know, I try to, um, to really, um, you know, and, and if they do have to be here, it's, you know, they, they play like in there with each other and we all hang out and stuff. I think that this is just what they've known. Right. Right. Um, so it's just part of life and, and yeah. we spend lots of time together, but it's generally sometimes it's around, you know, they're reading and I'm sewing or they're, you know, it's kind of always around. Right. It's like, well, mommy makes dolls and that's just the way mommies are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. They don't get to the point. It takes a while where they're like, wow, mom, that was an unusual job you had when I was a kid. Yeah. No. <laughs> or they go to someone's house and they're like, is your mom actually just sitting watching right. or TV? Like your mom doesn't, you know, like, your mom's just, not like a crazy sewing person. What yeah. Is, all the time. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So this is what they know. So That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So um so I do want to talk about um pricing for a minute because I think that mm-hmm. um you know, we touched on it earlier about not wanting to double the prices, even though people were advising you to do so. But um so so your prices, the baby dolls, which are the ones that really look like a like a newborn baby, they're mm-hmm. one seventy five and then it kind of ranges up to like the classic dolls and the, the sitting friends dolls, which are two four. 40. Although the Piccolinas are the smallest ones. And how much are those? Those are 95, but they okay. are only at markets and right. stuff. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So those aren't available online. So so online, it's 175 to 240, somewhere in there is the yeah. range. And um, and you, I'm assuming you, you sort of came up with that pricing. Was there, was there an earlier version of prices that you were then like, oh my gosh, I do really need to revise these to, to reflect <laughs> yeah. a real price here? When I first started, I think I was actually paying people to take them. Like I was yeah. just, oh, totally. I was, yeah, I was just like, here, I've been there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I was just so happy. I'm like, yeah, I can buy more yarn. Um, yeah, there was definitely, it's been a big, um, struggle for me because I have like, I don't even want to charge for them. Like really John always jokes that if I won the lottery, I would just make them for people because I love making them so much. Like I just, and I love, you know, little ones to have them. Um, but yeah, pricing has been a huge struggle, but then I had to really look at the reality of it. I'm like, okay, even just to, to do listings for dolls, you know, like a cost that, you know, there's, there's kind of the cost that you're like, okay, well, my wool costs this much, my yarn costs this much and then labor and da, da, da. But then there's things like, you know, doing the listing. So every single listing and then photos and stuff, that's two people a full day to do, you know, there's that kind of work. And then even, um, printing the shipping labels, that's one day, one full day 
like one person's work. So I had to like really get real with myself. And, and if I wanted to make this a sustainable business, I had to charge what they actually are worth. And then, I mean, that being said, I'm my, what I make off of them is, isn't that much, you know, but I really, I just love what I, I love what I do so much. Like I just, I love this company. I love the women that work for me. I really had to come to a point of like, what is, what's enough, you know, and I'm able to pay my mortgage and I can put food on the table and I, I go to work and I'm, I'm so fulfilled with what I do that I'm happy, you know, like I'm really happy and yeah. And that's, that's how I price. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, then pricing a doll at 240 is an appropriate thing to do, you know, like that's what it is and that's what it's worth. And you know, that's what makes the engine turn, you know, like if if it wasn't priced at that, you would have to stop. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, we get like, nothing gives me like a sick feeling more than, you know, it, when I'm at markets like this weekend or something, I'm, I'm at a, you know, Granville Island, I sell at a, a market in Vancouver and somebody's like, you know, they just kind of are like, what for a doll, you know, like $240 for a doll. And right. I, before it was interesting when I used to get that, um, that response, I would be like the woman screaming, I'd make more money if I worked at Subway. Right. <laughs> you know, like, do you understand? Right, right, right. You can get angry. You can oh, get angry. I get hurt and it's, yeah. I'm so sensitive to that stuff. Like even now I am not the right person to go to like markets and stuff because one comment like that in the whole day, I'm just like, Ugh, you yeah, know, I get, totally. I, it's demoralizing. Yeah, it really is. Like I had one guy that he was, um, you know, he looked at them and he was like, wow, you know, 240 for a doll. Like, you know, he was kind of shaking in his head. And I said, well, the materials are really expensive and like, they take like 10 hours to make, you know, our big ones. And I was trying to be friendly and stuff. And he, he actually just like took a step back and looked me up and down. He's like, you make $20 an hour. Like it was like the most offensive thing ever. And it's really interesting when you're in that situation of, and I don't know if other crafters have experienced it, but when you're in that situation of um, being at a market or something, I mean, craft fairs aren't bad because people go and they, they can, you know, they know what they're in for. Like they know they're, they're there to buy handmade goods. But I, where I've been is that um, it's called Granville Island public market. And there's a lot of crafters there, but you get a really interesting array. So you get a cross section of people coming in from cruise ships to like all sorts of people. So you, you really get hit with like your worst case scenario repeatedly. So it's, um, I'm not the best because I need somebody who can just let it roll and be like, yeah, that's what they cost. Move along. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing with selling online, I mean, there are advantages and disadvantages for sure. You're not, you know, meeting your customers and talking to them about the product the way you are at a market. But mm-hmm. at the same time, some of those thoughts don't get expressed. People just sort of click away, you know, like, Oh, too expensive. Or it's just sort of somehow easier to ignore because it's just like a little written something, maybe on a Facebook comments or something, you know, it's a little easier yeah. to kind of shrug it off. That wasn't the right customer for me and, and keep moving. But when somebody says it to your face, it's, it's hard. It's yeah. So hard. yeah. And even what's, what is really cool about when that stuff happens online, um, is that, um, my customers come in, like, I don't even have to say anything. Like my customers come in and are like, do you know how long these take? And they're worth every penny and the detail is amazing and this and that. And I mean, what I tell customers too is, is I said, okay, first of all, you have no problem buying that, you know, DS for your kid for, you know, however much, you know, 200 bucks that you just spent. And, you know, I know that those jeans that you're wearing are 200, like, it's so interesting, but when it's something handmade, people are like all of a sudden up in arms about something that's made here and, you know, with, um, really good materials and all that stuff. And I said, well, you know, you can have one doll, like one doll that your child will, it'll be their friend. Like this is their doll. And that doll will probably be passed on to their child. Like I, you know, that's the relationship you're trying to foster or you'll buy like 10 
plastic dolls from wherever that'll off gas on your children and, you know, end up in the landfill. It's like, we're like, it's, it's just trying to get people to like, think a little bit, you know, like think about where are you putting your money? Like where that's how we're voting now really is with our dollars. So where, you know, do you want to invest in like, you know, handmade products that are made ethically? I mean, or, or just the machine, like it's, um, like, what do you want to do with it? So, yeah, I mean, you can get into a whole other conversation yeah. and all yeah. that. But. No, but it's, I mean, I think those are really important points to raise. So, um, so sort of uh, the last point about, about um, pricing. So the Piccolinas are the smallest dolls, as we mentioned, and, um, and they're 90 is what you said. But you don't sell them online because it doesn't work out it doesn't sort of end up being worth your your time only because you have to take individual pictures and yeah. listings for each and every one. And so, you know, sort of the time spent versus what's earned just doesn't seem to pan out. So instead, you've come up with a new way to to sell them besides at the markets. Um, and you're, you're making some kits, which is really exciting. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. So tell us yeah. about the kits. Go for it. Oh, well, okay. Well, the kits are going to be, um, so the bodies will be made. The head will be made. Basically, you're going to get what our sewing women get. Um, and then the hair is made or the hair is like kind of all, uh, you know, done out for you. And you put the doll together. So I really geared this towards my friends who are crafty, but not really crafty. You know, they don't want to, they don't even, they can't thread a machine or anything. So I wanted to make this easy. And the reason why I wanted to do this was, um, well, first of all, I've been doing, I've done a couple of uh, workshops lately and I am like high with excitement after this because I get to see, I see people make their dolls and how excited they are. And they're like, look what I've made. You know, it's been, um, it, it was, it's so great to share that with people. Um, so women can make their own dolls for their children and yeah, they're going to, I, we're just waiting for some illustrations to come in for the, uh, instructions and then printing and we're trying to get all the pieces together. So hopefully it'll be out pretty soon. That's terrific. And it's, yeah. it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like a couple of things, like it's almost an extension of what happens within your studio with the women who you employ. Um, and it's sort of widening that out, that feeling that you're giving to them and that they're getting from being in your you know, working together in your studio, the camaraderie and the excitement of making something that, you know, you're, you're sharing that with a wider consumer, you know, wider world and and more consumers, which is really cool. Um, and it also seems like it's, you know, I like this sort of collaborative way you've done this. So you're working with, um, Karen from Karen Mm -hmm. from one girl circus to do some of the, um, the sort of help with the instructions, help with making sure the instructions are are perfect. And, um, you guys met at the makers retreat. Yes, we did. Yeah. And is she, is she doing the illustrations as well? Or is you have an, okay, cool. She's going to do the illustrations. And then Jessica Hepburn from Oh My Handmade, she's going to, I think like do the layout for it and, and make it all beautiful for printing. So it's been really cool to see how we've all kind of worked together with this. And that's what I really want to do, um, moving forward is working with in a more collaborative way, like even with other makers. And we were thinking of like theme dolls and, and, you know, and then get somebody to make like a little, animal to go with the, like, we have so many ideas about this kind of stuff. So yeah. it's really fun. Interesting yeah. collaborations. Have you, have you ever done a collaboration with like a fabric company where they would, or with a, a particular store that has custom fabrics for their furnishings or home decor items where you, you know, I'm thinking maybe like a high end nursery store, you know, store that sells nursery things or baby, you know, baby wear, that kind of stuff where you would take their, their bolts of fabric and use those as the dresses or the underpants and that sort of thing, or the hair colors coordinate and do kind of a, I don't know, a special line for them, like a limited edition. Well, you should do marketing for me. That was. <laughs> That would be pretty cool, right? Like the limited edition Bamboletta that matches my nursery, my custom nursery, right? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Yeah, That would be awesome. I would love to do something like that. I mean, we've, we've done some stuff with Riley Blake, um, just with their fabrics and, um, created a, like a whole upload based on a couple of their, their fabrics and Cindy from there, I, um, 
she really loved a doll and we made it based on like the hexy pastel print or something like, yeah, one Uh of those prints. So we've done a little bit, but not too much. Um, I would definitely like, I'd be really, I love, I think I'm opening myself up for, for that more and more now. I mean, really, I mean, like since it's been full on like production, like just trying to get everything going and up to this certain point. And now I feel like things are opening up a little bit that I have room to, to explore these kinds of things. So yeah, yeah, yeah even the yeah. kits, I mean, this was a big deal. It was a long time in the making um, right. to even have the space, you know, to, to do it. So yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. It's neat to see yeah. it grow to a point where you're like, okay, I can take a breath now and sort of see what, what, what I want to do next, you know? Yeah. That's terrific. So, um, so, um, before we get into our recommendations, my last, uh, thing I wanted to talk about were some of the charity work that you do. So tell me about, um, the blessing dolls. Well, the blessing dolls are people. Um, so we have obviously because we train, we have so many dolls, um, that are boo-boo dolls. We call them. So they have like minor flaws with them that need, but we can't sell them. So what we've been um, doing is we have people email us at blessings at bambaletta.com. And these are people that, you know, gen- like, you know, maybe aren't in a financial financial position to buy a doll, um, but, you know, they, they would love a doll. So we will just randomly draw people and, um, send them dolls. And it's kind of like a surprise thing. We'll just send you a doll. Um, we've also done lots of work with, um, like BC children's hospital and Janice place, like all these, um, children's hospices and hospitals where we send them, um, you know, a bunch of dolls, um, you know, so that they can, give to their, um, patients and the patient's families, like little siblings and stuff. They really need, need support too. Um, yeah, we've done lots of charity work, uh, auction wise, where we've called upon our community to donate items. Um, like we did one a few years back for a family down on the Island where I live, uh, the little girl, um, she had, she had cancer and anyway, the family had to move and, for treatment. So I called on my craft community and everybody came together and we ended up raising like $24,000 for this family. So to give them a little bit of a boost, you know, to give them something to, so they could live while they were going through treatments and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's been amazing. You know, this, I love the online community so much, like my online community of women that, um, support us and, you know, buy from us are just the, the, just so kind, like really like people just want a reason to help. Like people through and through are good. And, um, and yeah, it's just been my, like my heart is just so full when I think of all these and how they've helped each other. And, you know, if one's sick, they'll like rally together and, and try to you know, do something that will help support that woman. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, so that, that's terrific to hear about. Um, all right. Well, I want to, um, move on if it's okay with you to talking about some recommendations. You have a few and I have, I actually have a few this week. I'm excited. So, um, or at least I have one, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but I know that you, um, you had mentioned that you like, um, Danielle Laporte and her, um, her desire map. Is that right? Oh, I love it. Yes. So, so do you want to just tell us a, a little bit about like, what is that and why you like it? Well, desire map, basically you kind of get rid of goals in a way. Um, not you get, actually you don't get rid of goals. You get clear on your goals. And the way you do that is, is this process of really finding out how you want to feel in your life. And you come up with these core desired feelings. So it could be, um, clarity, abundance, grace, faith, whatever, you know, like, um, and and you get clear on what do you really want to feel? What do you want to feel in your life? And then anytime, you know, when goals come up or you have like a to do whatever, like it, it relates to every part in your life, you kind of, you kind of go back and ask yourself, will that, will that support my core desired feelings? Will that make me feel this way or Um, or does it not, am I doing it for other reasons, which may be like, 
making a spouse happy or, um, you know, just for money or something like that. So it's a really, really amazing tool in checking in with yourself and making sure that what you're, how you're navigating through life is based on what you want to do and who you really are. So I, I really love it. And all her teachings, I mean, I've read a lot of this kind of stuff I have for years as far as like, you know, self-helpy coachy kind of business. Like it's all melding into, it seems to be melding a lot yeah. into one type of thing. And her writing by far, by a long shot to me is the best because it's, it's so clear. Like she's just, she's just so clear and direct with, with, with her, um, her writing and her, you know, what she talks about. I really, yeah. And it's just, there's no BS. Like it's just, she just says it like it is. And there's no pretense. It's just, it's just what it is. And yeah, she's great for all aspects, like love and business and friendships and relationship to yourself. It's yeah, she's great. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's Danielle Laporte and I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to, people want to check it out. Um, and I wanted to, uh, to recommend a new little phone tool that I just got. It came oh, last night. Love it's it. so cool. So it's called easy macro and okay. It's a rubber band and, um, within the rubber band in one little section, there's a little round circular lens. So the rubber band, it actually has like a little credit card shaped piece of plastic. So you can wrap it around there and stick it in your wallet. So you'll never lose it, which is kind of handy. But anyway, you put this rubber band around your phone. It can be any kind of phone. It doesn't have to be an iPhone, whatever phone you have that has a camera on it. Okay. And it makes that lens, your regular camera lens into a macro lens. <gasps> No it is way. so cool. It's not <laughs> expensive. I forget how much it costs, but really, I mean, it's like maybe $20. And, no way. um, so cool. yeah, so I got it last night. Like I, I opened it at like 10 o'clock at night and you know, the light <laughs> is poor cause it's dark out. And I'm like, I got to try this thing. So I just held it up to my jar of pencils. You hold it up really, really, really close, almost touching the item. And then you wait for a second cause your, your phone has to focus. The camera has to focus, which takes a little effort for the camera. But once it's focused, and you can pull back ever so slightly and take a picture and you wouldn't believe it's the coolest picture. It's really like, I mean, you would be able to see like the hairs on your arm, you know, like really up close. So for taking pictures of fabric or like a seam, you know, or like um, an embroidered eye or something like that, just to share on Instagram, something a little different. I think it could be fantastic. Like you can see the fiber, you know, so it's just kind of a neat way if you want to go outside and take a picture of a flower petal or whatever. And apparently if you watch on the Easy Macro site, they show you, um, if you take two of them, so if you order two and you, you can layer them and then get even okay. closer. <laughs> so that I don't know what, I mean, the photo must be crazy if you have two on, but anyway, so I think it's pretty cool and I'm going to keep it up in my studio so that, cause the main way I'm going to use it, I think is just for posting cool pictures online. So I'm just yeah. going to hang it there. And, um, but I kind of like the idea you can slip it into your wallet too, around this little credit card shaped piece of plastic and, and have yeah. it handy. So it doesn't ever get lost. So, um, yeah, pretty cool. I think it could become addictive, easy macro. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, I mean, it's amazing with the phones. Like I got the six, uh, iPhone six and it's like the photos that it takes are phenomenal. Like I've got this big Nikon, like the DSLR, like this camera. (laughs) And I'm actually just like, I never, I hardly ever use it anymore, but I'm even considering there's a bit of a, I'm having a bit of a problem with focusing with it. I think I dropped it. Anyway, um, I'm like, maybe I should just take all my upload pictures with my phone. Like it's really that good. It is. It is really good. Yeah. I've been doing, um, I've been supplementing my patterns and I'm going to, this is kind of a year long project, but I'm adding a lot of video content that will live on my blog and then will be tagged within my pattern. So you can click over if you're not sure how to satin stitch or how to insert safety eyes and that kind of thing. You can watch like a one or two minute video with some, you know, peppy music in the background that just shows me doing that particular technique. Um, and I've been filming them all with my iPhone. I got a little, um, I have a gorilla pod. It's like a little tiny tripod that's super flexible. And then I got a little extension for it. Um, so that it can hold your iPhone. Cause you know, iPhones don't have a little port to go on the tripod, which is kind of problematic. So I got a little thing that makes it so you can go on any tripod. It's just like, yeah. Um, I think Jojo makes it. Um, anyway, so I, I, you snap it on and then 
you can put your iPhone on any tripod and I just shoot all of those videos with my phone. And you know what? They're pretty darn clear and it does a good job. So they're super good because I actually watched your ladder stitch one yesterday. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to show the girl that makes my uh, blanket dolls. It's a different kind of doll that we make. It's like a baby doll. I'm like, I'm going to like, if I, that's a great resource to have because it's just, and that's what we're doing that with our, um, like, we're just kind of in the process of thinking about doing that for our kits and having like, okay, you have a problem with doing the necks here, go here and we're going to just, um, put everything on a Facebook page just to create a bit of a community. But yeah, it's amazing what you can do with it. Like the phone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm loving it. So, well, and even with Shopify, like I can actually just do the whole thing from my phone. I can create the listing and then just upload the pictures as I'm going along with my phone. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That, that even more of a reason to sort of set aside the, the real camera, but I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, all right. Well, Christina, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Wall Street Naps podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, and I really enjoyed talking to you too. It's just like I had tea with a girlfriend. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where can we visit Bambaletta online? Bambaletta.com. Okay. That's where I live. Um, and also, but I'm quite active on my Instagram page. I really love Instagram. So it's just Bambaletta on Instagram and Facebook and all the links are on the, the web page. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I follow you on Instagram and on Facebook too. So, um, okay, cool. So people can go and check it out. And you've been listening to the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg, and I invite you to visit my blog, walshynaps.com, where you'll find helpful information for creative entrepreneurs, as well as tutorials and patterns for making stuffed animals and dolls. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.